Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome to Foothills Christian Church. I want you to know that you are invited and you are included even if you've moved from California. You are included and welcome here. We are glad you have found the promised land known as Idaho. And we uh, want you to know about who we are as a community of faith and what you are invited and included to be a part of. And that is, number one, start living like you've never lived before because you've been made alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, redeemed by His blood, and your soul is now living. We believe that that's when you start to discover who you really are and who you are meant to be. You can discover true peace. Now, what's interesting is most people think that peace is a lack of conflict, and that's not true. The biblical and ancient philosophers define peace as things becoming as they were meant to be. So it's being what you were meant to be is true and authentic peace. So it's easy to take the next steps here at Foothills. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to sign up for anything. All you have to do is text FH Next Steps to 97,000. So if you remember that 97,000 number, you can text it and then it'll get back. Now last week during Easter, the system crashed. So I'm praying to God it works now. But uh, we are hoping to help you understand who is Jesus and what he is doing in your life. And that's what Fight Club is all about. Fight Club is a series designed to help you understand that once you're made alive in Christ, what the reality of your life is. It's for those who've been awakened from the sleep of death. And now they are seeing things in a new light. When you are a part of Fight Club, when you choose to see the world as it truly is, not through the lens of some ideology, philosophy, or belief system that denies the reality of who we are as human beings and what Christ is doing in our life, then you will know who you are. Fight Club is for those who want more out of life. They want a bigger challenge, and particularly for guys. It is a challenge to help you understand the power of your faith and its capacity to not only transform yourself, but to see the power of Jesus transforming the situation around you. That's why we are here to help men discover their masculine heart. Now, one of the things that uh, first time I... uh, uh, preach this was probably, I don't know, years and years ago. We've done many different series. One of the questions is that, Pastor, I really appreciate you wanting to help men discover their masculine hearts, but what can you do for me as a woman? And I said, would you like to get married one day? And these ladies say, yes, absolutely, but I'm having trouble. I said, trouble with what? Where have all the men gone? And I say, exactly. That's why I'm preaching on this. So over the years, the people who asked me to preach on men finding their masculine heart more and more is not men, 
It's women who are saying, please preach that again. So that's what we're doing, and we are going to dig into how we find out as men who we are in Christ and the masculine heart that he has bestowed upon us. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 6, where it begins our study. If you are unfamiliar with the Bible, there's two main sections. You have an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Bible is not one book. It is a library of books. It is a library of books. That's why they all have different names. So what happens is in the Old Testament, it's how people found out that without God doing something more, it's just not going to work. God gave the nation of Israel instructions and they struggled to follow them. They didn't want to know them. Sounds like most guys on Christmas trying to assemble things. If I need the instructions, I'll consult them after, you know, I can't figure it out. So then Jesus Christ comes. The gap between old and new is 400 years. And in the New Testament, the new covenant under which followers of Christ live and follow, there are 27 different books. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are biographies on the life of Jesus. The fifth book is the book of Acts, and that's a book of history. And then all the other books that have all those weird names, like Philippians and Thessalonians and Colossians and Galatians, and we're in Ephesians, are the names of cities where churches were planted. There was a church planted in Ephesus, hence the, the name Ephesians. And this church was persecuted from day one because in that city, they manufactured idols to the fertility god Diana. And once Paul came and started preaching about Christ, how we don't need idols, we don't follow idols, all of those people who made idols went, uh-oh. And so they arrested them, they tried to beat them, they tried to uh, throw them in prison. So it started off with a lot of controversy, but it became a very strong church, even under the midst of great suffering. And so he writes them a letter. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are all about who we are in Christ, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now we've been made alive through the redemptive blood of Christ. And then in the next three chapters, he talks about how this impacts everything in your life. It impacts your marriage. It impacts your work. It impacts your reality of who you are. And this is what the church is supposed to be like. And then he caps off in the last chapter this phenomenal teaching. It's like the ultimate mission statement for who we are after we've been made alive in Christ. And this is what he wrote. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So that is what he wrote, inspired by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A message for you and me. What does it mean, particularly for men? Well, the first thing is it says you are called to be strong. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That means I must learn how to be strong. Now, prior to COVID, a lot of people who do what I do all across America have had let me say it that way, had adopted a different Christianity vibe, okay? And the vibe that they adopted was partly based on truth. And that is, well, we're all broken, right? We've all struggled, and at times we're weak. And that is true. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins, weren't we? But now we're made alive in Christ. But the new vibe prior to COVID was, because we're all broken, we're just going to celebrate our brokenness. And we're going to stay broken, and we're going to stay weak, and we're always going to talk about how weak we are, and how understanding and compassionate that we're supposed to be. And many of those churches, when COVID came, they just shut down. And not only did they not just shut down their building, they shut down their ministries. I find that odd because the Bible tells us in the midst of challenges, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of problems, what are we supposed to be? Talk about how weak we are and celebrate all of our flaws and failures. Sure, we've all got them, but is that what we're called to be? No, we're called to be strong. And we're called to be strong where? In the Lord. And how? In his mighty power. In the worst mess, the last thing I want to do is reject the most greatest power of God working in my life. You look in America today and you compare it with where the church is growing in the world. Right now, the church is growing faster in China where China is persecuting the church like never before. As soon as they find out a church in a town has been built, you know what they do? They roll in with tanks and they put uh, barbed wire and chain link fences around it and say, you can't worship. And you know what happens? The church grows. I think they're laughing. They're going, <laughs> CCP, China Communist Party, they think the church is a building. It's not. In Indonesia, the church is being persecuted. It's growing. This is really fascinating. In Africa today, it's never reported. You can go to a website called The Voice of the Martyrs, and they'll tell you about this. And that is, is that uh, 
missionaries in the 20th century, the 1900s, they went, they planted all of these schools in Central Africa, just below the Sahara Desert. All of these schools. And what's happening is these Islamic marauders are coming down and they're kidnapping 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, and 13-year-old girls. They are marrying them and then they are forcibly making, converting them to Islam. This is going on and on and on and on. It's tremendous persecution. They come in, they burn villages down, they burn the churches down, they destroy the schools. They're doing this to young girls. The most popular right now is a group called Boko Haram. And guess what? 50 years ago, less than 10% of the continent of Africa was Christian. Today, it's over 50%. In the greatest challenges, the greatest pain, sometimes the greatest suffering, Christians are not called to be weak. We are called to be what? Strong. We're called to be strong. And one of the problems that I have had over the years is convincing men who don't want anything to do with following God or knowing who Christ is, is that it just seems so wussy to them. You know, I mean, if I'm on my weekend, you know what I want to do? I want to go out. Man, I want to get my adrenaline going. You know, I want to go skiing. I want to go hunting. I want to go do this. I want to go travel. I want to go have some fun. I want to, I want to live. I want to suck the marrow out of life. And that breaks my heart. Because the only way that you'll ever understand what the true marrow of life is is when you know Jesus Christ. And you know the man who took a beating for justice, who had the most greatest courage that you could ever imagine, who could love when everybody else quit loving. He was always kind when everybody else was hating. I mean, he was a man's man. Not the feminized version. You know, the skinny guy who's Italian, you know, with a really nice trimmed beard and the flowing dress that he wears everywhere he goes. You know? You are called to be strong. The purpose of the spiritual life when you've been awakened is to be strong, not weak. It is to be fruitful, not desolate. It is to be victorious, not defeated. That is what it means to follow God. But when you are called to be strong, you have to realize you're strong because you're in a battle. And that is, it is a battle for your soul. Notice what he says there is, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and powers of this evil world. The soul is the battleground where you are called to be strong. The issue is not a sports field. It's not a ring or an octagon. It's not a place of work per se. It is a battlefield of the soul. You're called to be strong in order to fight in the greatest cosmic battle that ever existed. But it flows out. Don't make the mistake that the spiritual realm is this other dimension that exists out there and it doesn't impact your life. The spiritual realm, when you've been made alive with Christ, is the place where your soul and your psyche come together. 
You see, the spiritual realm is active and it influences everything going on in your life. Are you struggling with an issue in your life? Something that you just think, oh man, I wish I could just get over this. Or I wish I was doing better in that. Or I wish that wasn't always tripping me up. Well, guess what? The battleground is not out here. The battleground is in here, in your soul. That's where our struggle is. And you have to realize, he says, not only are we to stand strong in this battle, but it says you must take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, the word for schemes in the original Greek is methodia, and that is the word we get method from. What does that mean? That means that Satan has a scheme that is designed to defeat you or wound you in your soul. And he does that because it always works. It's a tried and true method, and that method is always very effective. Now, how does that work? Well, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus gives us this little idea of how it works. Now, the Pharisees were coming to say, well, I think he's casting out demons because he's a demon himself, or he works for Satan. And this is the old famous line where Jesus says, you guys are kind of idiots, because um, a house divided against itself can't stand. And then he drops this gem. Listen to this gem. He says, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? And once the strong man's tied up, then he can plunder his house. Men, for you in particular, if the battle is in your soul, right, what is Satan's method? It is to tie you up. Because once you're tied up, then he can plunder your life. And you know how he plunders your life? The first place he plunders your life is in your identity. The sense of, I have been created to be a man. Maybe you're a woman. You say, I've been created to be a woman. The first thing that Satan wants to do, whether you're a man or a woman, is to tie you up and plunder your soul. And he does that by stealing your identity. What you believe is one of the most important things about you. And if you believe falsehoods in your soul, guess what? He's tying you up so he can plunder your house. And he plunders your identity. If you're a, a guy who walks around thinking, man, I wish I was more successful, or I wish I was a better person, or I wish I was this, I wish I was that, and you have any decades underneath your belt, you start to think, yeah, but that's just the way I am. It'll never change. I'm always that way. That all, all that says to me is that Satan has what? Tied you up when it comes to your identity. If you're a woman who's walking around and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to have the friends that I would like. I'm never going to have the, the love of my life. I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to have that. I'm never, 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 never land. Then all that says to me is that Satan has tied you up and he's plundering your identity. See, he's plundering it because he's convincing you to believe things that aren't true. If you're a guy, once you're tied up, the next thing he's going to steal from you is your sexuality. He's going to come into your life and he's going to say, you know what? You're just kind of a horny guy and it's like eating hamburgers. And if you got more hamburgers, you're going to be happy. 
And then you wonder why your life is so messed up and your relationships are so messed up. You wonder why you can't connect with another human being and have a soul intimacy that you long for because Satan tied you up and he's plundering it. He's going to plunder your sense of fulfillment in the intimate places of your soul. He's going to steal and plunder your purpose so that your guy, you don't have any idea of why I do what I do. I don't get any pleasure out of work. I don't get any pleasure out of things that I do. I don't get any pleasure or fulfillment out of taking care and being responsible for the things that I'm responsible for in my life because Satan plundered that. Satan is going to plunder your direction. I'm aimless, man. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I just, you know, I, I just don't know. He's going to plunder you financially. He's going he's gonna to have the money thing in your life be something that, man, it's so important to me. I'm going to work so hard so that I just burn the skin off my fingers. Or you're going to be on the other side where you don't care and you're under debt and the bondage of all of this mismanagement. See, why does all this stuff happen in our life? Why does this go on, guys? Why, why, why? Because we're in a battle whether we know it or not. And the battle's our soul. And that's where Satan wants to tie you up so he can plunder your life. And the reason I do what I do is because I want to give you hope. I want to let you know that God is standing there. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't have to be that way. You're not trapped. You've been made alive. You're free now. So let's fight. Let's fight for what it is that we were meant to be. That's what Fight Club is all about. Because when you give up the fight, you give up the battle, guess what? You get tied up and you suffer. Your relationships suffer. Guys, the women in your life suffer. Your children suffer. Ultimately, society suffers. But you've not only been called to be strong and fight in this battle, God's got your back because he's given you weapons. He's given you all kinds of weapons. He says, put on the full armor of God. And these weapons are designed for this battlefield. These weapons are unique in that regard. Have you ever gone into a dojo and you see all of those uh, weapons hanging up on the wall, right? You know, you go up there and you look at them. And I don't know, what is it about us, guys? We always go and we want to pick up the nunchucks, right? We pick up the nunchucks, right? And what do you do? You start swinging that nunchuck, right? You get that little thing going, and then you try to make a move. And what's the first thing you do with that nunchuck? Bam! Right in the head. And you're like, oh, man, that's not fun, right? Why is that? Because you don't know what you're doing with a nunchuck, right? The full armor of God is about truth. He says, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shotted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the gospel of salvation, and the word of God, which is the sword of truth. But if you pick up that sword and you don't know how to wield it, guess what happens? You cut yourself. Some people take their Bible out. They go, you know, I know this is the Bible. Well, how, how do you know how to use it? Well, this is the way I was taught. You know, you, you flip through, you close your eyes, and then you point to a verse, and that's what God wants to tell you. Oh, really? So you're flipping through there. Judas went out and hung himself. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm on the wrong frequency. That's for somebody else. So you flip through there. Go and do likewise. You know what that is? That's swinging the nunchuck and getting hit in the head. That's why Foothills, we are about discipleship. And the reason why is discipleship is all about understanding what truth is, what righteousness is, what the gospel of peace is. It's about understanding what faith is, what salvation is, what the words of God mean and how we use them. Because we want to be in a battle and we are designed to be victorious in that battle. And the thing that we have to do is we have to understand the weapons of our warfare. And that way we know we will have victory. I don't know if you ever heard about Mr. Utah, Lance Bachelor. You know, he's 260 pounds, six foot four of chiseled muscle. And he does all this stuff, you know, good looking guy goes around, does all these feats of strength. And he, you know, wrestles with people and throws trees and picks up cars, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And what he does is he decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, challenge this guy. I'm, his name was Pedro Sour, and he weighed 149 pounds. And Pedro says, I'll take your challenge. You see, Pedro, Pedro was a highly developed black belt in jujitsu. So Mr. Utah came out, and he was twice the size of Pedro. Pedro took him to the ground and submitted him in the blink of an eye. He lost, had his clock cleaned. Why? Because Pedro had technique and skill. He understood the weapons he was fighting with, and he understood how to employ them. You can be a person that, in the world's eyes, doesn't have much. You can not be a person of great stature. You may not be a, a person of great wealth or great fame, but you can be the most victorious person in the ultimate battleground, and that is the battleground of your soul. And you can fight with the very weapons of the mighty hand of God in your life, and you can have victory every single time. If you do, notice what he said there. He says, when you have done everything you can, stand firm. Once you've done everything you can, that's what it's all about. It's learning how to fight with the weapons I've been given, so start training. When the day of evil comes, can I ask you a question real quick? Do you think the day of evil is kind of hanging around right now? I think so. It's not coming. It's here. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? I want to go home and pull the covers over my head and I'm going to cry and watch cartoons because, man, I just, I'm feeling so weak and so broken. I just can't do that right now. Are you going to stand up and say, look, I, I, I'd rather not have to fight. I'd rather not. But when the challenge comes to me, I will. And I will start fighting in the area of my soul. Now, I understand, guys, for you, it's so, it is hard. It's hard. Societies for thousands of years had tremendous cultural influences, whatever their cultural norms were, designed for one thing, and that is to turn boys into men. But today, our society has inverted that, you see? There's a psychologist uh, who uh, uh, focuses on 
educational systems. His name is Michael Thompson. And he says, in our public education system, the gold standard of behavior today is girls. And all boys are treated as defective girls. Boys are expelled at five times the rate of girls in preschool. How do you get expelled from preschool? 70% of all expulsions in high school are boys. More girls go to college than boys. More, more girls graduate from college than boys. Uh, uh, four or five years ago, it became such an issue at three major universities on uh, the East Coast that they wanted to start an affirmative action program to get guys to apply because the ratio had become over 60% girls and under 40% uh, males in the school. The vast majority of, of people who are incarcerated are males. The uh, 98% of all people killed in workplace accidents are males. So, so what's happening is our culture has, I think, you know, I think it's wonderful that we're giving more opportunity uh, to women, but do we want to do it at the expense of males? Because that seems to make a lot of really unhappy females when they're in their late 20s. Because they're going, I just like a sort of a guy to show up, you know? And they start thinking to themselves, well, maybe a DIY project isn't so bad. I have excellent project management skills. I might be able to, there's potential there, you know? Faith is all about seeing the potential, right? You know, it's really interesting because in the world in which we live, it's getting harder for men to discover their masculine heart. And you add to that how Satan has come in and is tying them up with all of these things. And you realize and you see why we are where we are at. And we're struggling. So the goal of Fight Club is to help men discover their masculine heart. And it is also to help women understand what a real man looks like. So she, she can say to herself, ah, those are red flags. He hasn't quite grown up yet. Or yes. But the biggest thing is, is it helps moms understand how to raise boys. You know, one of the things that you have to realize when you're a mom and you start having boys and girls, how they're so different. I've raised two boys and one girl. And let me tell you something, they are different. I learned that boys are basically suicide machines. That's all they do, you know. You go to the park and you lay out food and coloring books. The first thing they do is, oh, there's a pack of Rottweilers barking. Let's go pet the Rottweilers. You know, they run out into traffic. You know, when my son Zach... Um, uh, when he was really, really little, we took a trip to, to Disneyland. You know, I think he's probably like five or six years old. And I mean, what is one of the safest rides at Disneyland in California? Isn't it that one with that real annoying song? It's a what? Small world after all. You're on this little thing that floats on this track, you know. And so I'm sitting there. Zach, you know, he's had enough about halfway. He wants something else to do. And so we come through the doors, and I am sitting there like this. I have my arm around him because when you're a dad and you're raising a suicide machine, you always, I always want that kid within grabbing distance, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, you know distance, lunge rate. You know everything when you're a dad like that. And so, 
So I said, and then I was talking to Kim and Mackenzie, our daughter. You know, she's just a little, little tiny thing, probably two or three years old. Da, da, da. And somebody goes, ah! when somebody says that and you're a dad of a suicide machine, what do you do? <laughs> it's all reflex, man. I just went, wah! I went like that. I got a hold of his back because he leapt out of the boat and he was heading for the hills. And I caught him hanging over the water there, you know. And I said, hey, son, it's not time to get off the ride yet. <laughs> Kids, are, boys are suicide machines, right? I mean, they're just crazy. They're just so full of energy, and they're going that way. Because we see that, our society is determined that that's toxic. Because our society says it's toxic, then what we need to do is we need to de-emphasize that and control it and suppress it. What happens is when you do that to boys, you don't get less toxicity, you get more. Because what every boy needs to be told is that you are powerful and you are strong, and if you don't learn how to control that, it will control you all of your life. This is a little controversial, but... I, I believe it is biblical and it is so true. And that is the way this presents itself is this, is I have heard many, many, many moms, a lot of single moms, a lot of other people say, our goal is to let boys get in touch with their feelings. We want to teach our boys to be sensitive and we want them to embrace all of these things about them. And these boys grow up and throw bricks through windows. They drive over and beat people in the street and the reason why is because my opinion is the worst thing to tell a boy is get in touch with your feelings so they control you. You see, women can do that because they're wired different. They think differently. But when you have a boy, you have to talk to that boy and say, you have these feelings, don't you? Yes, I do. You're angry. Yes, I am. Control your anger. You're powerful because your anger can destroy or your anger can build. Well, I feel hurt because Susie over there in kindergarten wouldn't let me hug her. So now you're upset because you feel rejected, right? Well, you can get in touch with that and embrace that and swim through it and think it's all cool and awesome. Or you could say, I feel rejected. I can be a person now who rejects or I can be a person who does what? Accepts. I could go on and on in illustration, but I think you get the point. And that is, is that we are doing our boys a disservice because we're teaching them to live life as if they are emotionally wired like girls. And that's just not right. And all society hurts because of it. That's why Foothills is about discipleship. Our men's ministry, our women's ministry is about discipleship. Our small group ministry is about discipleship. And that is, is that when you get together and at smaller groups, you're walking with, if you're a guy, you're walking with other guys. These guys that you're going to walk with aren't perfect, these, but these guys are going to say, look, I struggled through that. I did that. If you struggle with intimacy, if you struggle with bonding with other men, if you struggle with these things, then you realize that Satan has got you what? Bound. He's tied you up. At the end of April, we didn't do it last year because of COVID, but we, we take all the men to a boot camp. And the reason I, I like calling it a boot camp, I don't call it a retreat, is because I grew up going to retreats and, and they'd always get them in speakers telling me how, if I'm a guy, I need to be a nicer guy. And that just never really appealed to me. Um, <laughs> if, if you know me really well, you know why that's funny. Um, but what appeals to me is 
challenge and how to live an adventure. And so this isn't about how to be a nicer person. It's how to be a good person. It's not how to be a tamed man. It's how to be a powerful man under control. And so to do that, you have to discover that your masculine heart is a gift from God. Satan wants to tie it up so he can plunder your house, but you can discover what it is and you can live in the mighty power of God. There's an old Latin phrase that goes, see this pesum parabellum. And what it means is this, if you want peace, if you want the way it's supposed to be, then prepare for war. And that's what Fight Club is all about. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.